Recording in progress. Oh, I've been recording on this. I've been recording for 22 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I just started recording on the voice recorder and I can see the thing bouncing up right. and down. Yeah, um, so yep, can I. Going. When you're ready, uh, Jack. All right, I'll do an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sorry Meadows podcast. Uh, today we're doing something a bit off the cuff because we're meant to be recording uh, for our community podcast. Um, we've been waiting, and uh, one of us has not shown up. It's Sammy. Uh, it's Sammy. It's Sammy <laughs> hasn't shown up. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm joined Mike's by Reese and Mike. Um, <laughs> and we've just come up with an idea. Uh, I've got some dice. We all have some DVDs. And uh, I'm going to roll a dice, and then we're going to talk about whatever DVD we, we have on. in front of us. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, everyone send mean things to Sammy on Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> time to get up. Uh, That's, um, right. at, at Meadow, sorry, just tweet um tweet very anti Sammy tweets at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, right, I'm going to roll a dice, and whatever we, I, number I land on, you've got to count up to that on your DVD rack, and then we're going to talk about that film. Ooh. All three of us might have seen it. Maybe none of us, but you have seen it. Maybe you haven't seen it. It's just on your rack. <laughs> we all have DVDs where it. we've bought and just oh, haven't even. Yeah. Yeah. I've just got a lot of DVDs I haven't seen. All they're opening. Still in the, like, the film. All right. Uh, we'll start with you, Reese. Okay. Uh, six. All right. I'm going to go the top row. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I think um, Michael liked this one. It is a DVD of. I think it came out last year, maybe even two years ago. Um, the animated Power of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. That was um, a great Patrick Troughton's first story as the Doctor. Um, restored with animation. I haven't seen it for like two years because <laughs> I got it. I got this with 10th Planet, actually. I think I know I got this as a bundle when, when um, Twice Upon a Time was coming out because it's sort of around the same time and 10th Planet just got a just got um, some animated stuff on it as well. I prefer the animation style in Power of the Daleks to Tenth Planet a lot, which I'm also holding. Um, yeah, I, and I tell you what, it's got Ben and Polly. Yeah, which I think every time I see those two together, I, I always, they're usually my favorite um, companion pairing. Polly, not so much, but I really like Ben. And But once we get to Jamie and Vicky, well, obviously, Victoria, it gets a bit better, but I love Ben. There's a reason, isn't there, that they also animated Macro Terror and Faceless Ones. Yeah. Because you've got to get as much of that group back as you can. Absolutely. And I know that they're... Oh, what, they're not going to do... Have they started Day of the Daleks yet? Because um, they were going to... They, they were. They, I, th- I thought they were going to try and go through like different seasons. Like, And so I thought with Power of the Daleks, they continue through this. Or is, it, is it Evil of the Daleks I'm trying to think of? Because they've done Faceless Ones now and the Macro Terror since then. So they're trying to get as much Troughton out as they can, obviously. And the more you see of Troughton, the more he becomes my favourite Doctor, because there is a real darkness about him. He's funny and witty, and he's... I love the... Um, what's it? The... Um, not the end of the world. Um, what's it called? With Salamander. Um, oh, Enemy of the World. Enemy of the World. That, that, that's my favourite of his stories, and it's like... I just want to see more of Troughton, so hopefully we get more and more DVDs. Aren't they animate? The next one to come out is a is a Hartnell story, isn't it? I think they're going to go back a bit further. I'm just trying to remember. Although the day they reanimate Space Pirates will be the first time I might not get it. Um, but well, they've got to do Daleks Master Plan, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, they that's the one they're doing. That's the one they're doing. Um, oh, right. got, oh. what do you think of the animated? Um, I I've got that one here too. I am. Um, I think they've got better with each one. I think Macroterra and Faces ones, the animation's really good. I remember when Power of the Dark was released, I wasn't building my classic collection yet. And I went to a friend's house who had just got it and we watched it. And I thought the animation was so terrible for the first episode. Mm. That's mainly because I hadn't seen much Troughton. I'd skipped a lot of it when I first watched through because there were just so many missing that it just seemed like a hassle. So I'd only seen the big ones, like Tomb of the Sidemen. But I think going back to it... <laughs> with more of a knowledge of Troughton's era, I think the animation fit very well. And it's now yeah. my second favorite Troughton story. Well, it, and I, it, I wouldn't have got to see it otherwise. It's one of the things, right? It, it's a lot better than the 10th planet animation. And also, because, you know, you, you probably did this. You, you used to watch the, listen to the audio with like some stills. Yeah, there's loads of YouTube stuff out there. Yeah. And it's like, and gone, going back to watch these episodes like that again, I prefer the animated version. Yeah, it's Just amazing I... how much of a difference it makes. Because my friend, who loves classic Doctor Who, he said that Macro Terror is one of his least favourite stories um, from the reconstruction. But then the second the animated one came out, it shot to one of his favourites of how much yeah. it boosted it. And yeah. the one I really want to see an animated version for, and I'm blanking on the name now, which is annoying. Uh, it's one of Stephen's stories. I'm just going to double check the name now. A uh, very action-packed one, which is why I want it animated. Um, uh, it is Myth Makers. Um, okay, yeah. I want animated because that's a great reconstruction, so I bet it'll look great in animation. Well, the thing that I really want them to do is just to pick a season like, and go through it. Because like, I know we... I, I'm sure the only reason the 10th Planet got made when it did is because we were getting Twice Upon a Time and you've got to follow it up with Power of the Daleks. Macro Terror is another one where they could sort of advertise it to... New Who audiences because it's got like Macca in it, so Gridlock, you re-release Gridlock. I know they were there's a lot of emphasis on the Daleks a couple of years ago because they were releasing a lot of Davros stuff for some sort of anniversary, and it's just like pick a season. Like the next one should be is it, is it Evil of the Daleks? I'm trying to think. Is that is that the one? Yeah, also the, one from, yeah. Like just Resident just, Evil, but with Daleks. Yeah, it's just like that's clearly the next one to do go through them in order please <laughs> so you can have a full collection um i'm really glad they are animating them because it you get to rebox them you get to re-release them and it's like any it's like the blu-ray stuff right i'm gonna buy it you made it shiny it's doctor who <laughs> and i'd rather you can have I, a collection and that's not I, missing big yeah gaps. and i'd rather support classic who which i really like i'd rather buy that content than the newer stuff we're getting today which is associated with the show now just because it's a lot more positive and it's i i prefer watching it so yeah i think um you're i think that's a very very polite way of saying reese that the show is bad now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is bad i mean i, yeah, I, I still own season it, 12 and 11 uh i <laughs> very bland dvd do you remember cases. the um do you remember the was it a tiktok or gif when the guy like got season 11 in the post and put it straight in the bin <laughs> i did that for i did that for my mate i got him a when i when i went back to uni after uh after season 11 i got him the 2020 11th doctor cal uh, the 13th doctor calendar like and it had all the characters from season 11 <laughs> and like it had a pating on it for like may or seven and then he just sent me a video of him burning it <laughs> like he literally got his lighter <laughs> yeah that, that, i looked down 
I look down my collection. I've got season one all the way through 12 with all the specials that release separately. And they're all in those like cardboard sleeves. Yeah. And they're all really worn out from like how much I've opened them and used them. And then I get to season 11 and 12 and they've still got the plastic shrink wrap on. (laughs) Right. Should we move on? Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Let's go with you next, Mike. Cool. Uh, we, so we using a, a six-sided dice. For yeah, because roll of... a six and I will blind pick off the shelf that you land on. Unless okay. you roll a two, because that would just be talking about Doctor Who again. <laughs> oh my God. Yay, Doctor Who. That's a two. <laughs> it's a two, okay. I'll close my eyes and I'll pick one at random. Oh, oh it's, a, gonna, it's a box set. They're all going to come crashing down. <laughs> okay. They're all coming off the shelf. Now, what you may notice is that what I picked off the shelf is the box for Revisitations 1 which is Talons of Wang Chang, which is good, but thunderously racist. Keza Ranjazani, which is the best Doctor Who story ever. And Doctor Who the movie, which is terrible. Yeah. But, and this is going to really hurt. 25th anniversary, like two weeks ago, though. Yeah, that's what this episode is celebrating, clearly. (laughs) Uh, So what's going to really hurt any collectors is when I pull this out and you see that inside is... Oh, no. Hand of Fear. (laughs) Uh, Deadly Assassin. (laughs) And face of evil. And that's because yeah. of the way I've got them structured on my shelf is all <laughs> in DVD order. I didn't want to get rid of the boxes. <laughs> so I've just rearranged what's in what so that all the stories are in the right order. I mean, so arguably, I've got box sets that just don't match up at all. I mean, apart from Caves and Jazani, <laughs> arguably what you've put instead of them is, is arguably better. <laughs> yeah. But like, and what I've got here, another box set right next to it is Myths and Legends, which is supposed to be Time Monster, Underworld, and Horns of Nemon, which mm. are all terrible. And inside is Talons of Wang Chang, which I don't know why it isn't in here. <laughs> Underworld, which I guess does belong, and Invasion of Time. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's really frustrating how like the box sets just make no sense. Yeah. But Revisitations 1, I can see why they went to these three, because they're all iconic stories. And Case of mm. as we said, is fantastic. Um, it's the best classic Who story ever. It's probably up there with best Doctor Who stories ever. Tanza Wang Chang is one that I think as time goes on gets worse and worse. Yeah. Like it's actually the one I'm rewatching at the moment on my weekly watches. And there's just yeah. so much really bad stuff in it. From for context, Jackson, you probably haven't seen it. The bad guys are all Chinese. But the dialogue and the generalizations of the culture are so bad. I don't think they could convince a Chinese person to play the role. So they just get a white actor and put him in Chinese yeah. facial prosthetics. Oh dear. So bad. And yeah. It's in so, a it comes in a really weird time for the fourth doctor as well, isn't it? Because people often forget how long he was the doctor for and how many seasons. And the way that the show changes, like Every two seasons, there's like it feels like a completely different genre. And I think there's something very dark about the talents of Wen Chang. That's the issue. It's a really good mystery with a really good tone. It's got Jago and Lightfoot, who are great. Um, yeah. Obviously got their own spin-off for a reason. Um, Jago but- and Lightfoot, Jack, is Jago's a theatre owner who just likes to use all the drama to boost his theatre. And Lightfoot is just a scientist who just makes weird inventions. But they end up together in the story, and they're so wacky together they're one of the first people to get a story with what's called big finish who do the doctor audios and it's annoying because good stuff in the story but boy it's yeah. very racist i think <laughs> and then yeah yeah i think the tone of it though is something that i think would be welcome to modern doctor who because like there, there's something about i know there's all this stuff all oh, the cheap budgets and stuff but the way that like the 
like the the practicals and the costumes yeah there is a bit of cheapness in but they also add to the gritty dark nature of the stories there's like there's something quite dirty about those episodes that like they're they're quite uncomfortable to look at and but they work so well because you got tom baker who's fantastic in every in every episode he's in just bringing it to life and again you got great stories deadly assassin which is, i really like the deadly assassin the deadly a lot. really good and, and it's, straight it's after visually Wen terrifying Chang, straight after Wen chang you get horror fang rock as yeah. well so it's like they were going through it's a, the light very spooky era <laughs> the lighthouse um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah there's and it's there's a reason that tom baker's era is remembered as one of the best and it's not just because He's great, and because it went for so long, because it generally is good, and because it's so long, there's a lot of rubbish stories in there. Yeah, I. But there's when I, it's good, it's very good. I love how every every story is the Doctor and uh, Leela show up, just let everyone die apart from those two, and then just go back in the TARDIS. They just don't care yeah. about people dying. Just 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 long as we're safe. Leela is, I think, the Doctor companion who's most pro murdering everyone. Yeah, she can't like stop. To, um to bring up how funny it is how much Doctor Who we're talking without Sam, who is yep. like the biggest well, Doctor no, Who fan. He well, hasn't reached these episodes yet, um, so we yeah, don't want to spoil it for he, him. He hasn't reached these in the classic. And also, Jack, if he wanted to talk about it, maybe he should have woken up on time <laughs> and recorded yeah. the episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Go on, Jack. Long? Your All turn. Right. Let's stop talking about myself. Doctor Who. I have no Doctor Who DVD, so it would be insane if I managed to land on one. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I've I've edited a lot of these these recordings, and it's amazing how many times we bring up Doctor Who. Like literally every single episode, we go, "Oh, that's sort of like impossible astronaut, isn't it?" Reese, yeah, in we're, a way, we're British nerds, so <laughs> I got three, which is Star Wars: Attack on the Clones. <gasps> I've got it. I've got Incredible. it in my pile as well. Oh, I don't have it because my sister's borrowing it. Oh, we're going to do a Star Wars episode soon. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. But Attack of the Clones, I mean, joint worst? Of yeah, the well, I would of, say absolutely. it's the worst because the the first one is like that, but they didn't learn from their mistakes. So yes. I, would say it's uh, I thought that for a long time. I spent a long time thinking Attack of the Clones is my least favourite. But then the more I rewatched them, I realised that I'm more entertained by Attack of the Clones because even though most of what's happening isn't very good, at least stuff is happening. Unlike yeah. Phantom, when nothing is happening and, and none of it's any good. And I have a complete like little nostalgia bias for Phantom Menace over Attack of the Clones because Phantom Menace is the one I used to watch all the time as a kid. Attack of the Clones I didn't have a VHS of. I had to record it off ITV. And so it was in like a... It was like, I think it was recorded over like... Um, Coron- an old Coronation Street episode or something like it said Coronation Street on the front but it's like the thing with Attack of the Clones is I think there are some really good bits in it and everything involving a, Obi-Wan from, no well I think from a C- one from a CGI point of view revolutionary because I know that Phantom Menace relied a lot on practical effects but the CG step up in this film from the first one which is only like a two three four year gap is big and i I it's a sequence I don't like um, narratively, but how Coruscant looks at the start is like the the, the, the wide shots of Coruscant. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, of course, the lightsaber battle at the end is the worst. Like, yeah, it's awful. There, there is literally a bit where they just zoom into the faces of uh, Anakin and Count, 
Count Dracula, <laughs> Count Dracula, Count Dooku, and they're just going, and it's really good because because they like put the light out. They're thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing. They literally like put the light out, like, and it's like, no, this is crap. Although like the story doesn't make any moment, sense either. There's one moment in that scene where Yoda walks in and he opens his coat and he forces out the lightsaber. And you're like, yeah, that was the coolest thing that you've ever done. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and also, then he starts bouncing. And also, <laughs> I, the enti- watching the entire thing with Anakin and Padme, all the way from the start where he's creepy with her in her bedroom. And then all the time in the, the feed where they're like, I'm haunted by the kiss she should not have given me. And they're just like... It's awful. Like, um, do, you know, do you know the meme? George like, Lucas's you know the... like um, perception of romance and love <laughs> stalking. is like... persistent stalking. Yeah. Well, that's how we got Star Wars made, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, um, do you know General Grievous when he goes, "Time to abandon ship." <laughs> it's like Padme, get away. He's a psych. He's a murderous psychopath. He literally tells. He comes up. He said. I just massacred an entire village of Tuscan raiders. And he's like, oh, yeah, but your mother died. No, he I just killed massacred. All the children. <laughs> yeah, not just the men, but the women and the children. See, that's, a, that's the other thing about Attack of the Clones. I can't talk about it. I'm not angry. I just laugh. Yeah, well, that's a good hilarious. Thing can't get angry about the prequels because everything they do wrong is very funny. Yeah. It's delightful. But and- you're like, you, without Attack of the Clones, you don't have that era of Star Wars, if that makes sense. That's my mm. favorite, the Clone Wars era with all the Jedi Council and loads of planets and loads of stuff going on. And you don't really get that in Phantom Menace because it's mainly Tatooine, which you've had before. So mm. I don't think you get the expansion of that era without Attack of Clones. You don't get the Clone Wars show. You don't get Battlefront 2. You don't get yeah. any of that. So the film itself may fall apart at li- like literally every two minutes. But everything surrounding the film is pretty good. Mm. Yeah, and you can't deny the amount of memes and internet culture surrounding the film as well. It's just so enjoyable. Um, also, everything uh, they did wrong. Was also, Jedi Arena, wrong. a great Lego Star Wars level where you just walk in a circle to different platforms. <laughs> you have to release different people and fight a load of things. And you have to kill Boba Fett. And get it's not a good film, but I, I have such joy just thinking about it. And again, about... stay stay tuned for our drunk rambling about Star Wars <laughs> episode when with the prequels it's just going to be us laughing for. <laughs> and it's not even the worst Star Wars has ever done because, of course, you had the Caravan of Courage stuff. Yeah, um, and the Holiday Special, and right, the Holiday I'm, Special, I'm and the Lego, and the, some of the Lego films are pretty shite. Right, I'm going to roll again now for you, Reese. Um, okay, and we'll see. What you get you to get. talk you. We, because it's mine like we just did to you 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 pick the film we just talk about it without when you do it without you again that's what that was (laughs) well uh, please be jack may not be talking much in this episode but he's talking more than sammy yeah Yeah. uh 12 12 i'm gonna go from the bottom top this time one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve oh it's the in-betweeners movie the the in-betweeners movie (laughs) I saw this film for the first time when I was far too young. I hadn't seen the series before I'd seen this. When did it come out? I'll have a look now. Would it give an indication of my All age? All I know about this film is I watched about a third of it and then left. <laughs> no, see, I... I couldn't watch it. See, I, I love it. I was young as well. I, I think it's... It's so... not per, It's not a perfect film. But it's a perfect 
viewing experience for anybody who's watched the in-betweeners yeah it's not it's not a perfect film it's a perfect in-betweeners film because you know the three series of of in-betweeners aren't perfect either they are they are perfect in what they are trying to do but as pieces of television they're not the best but they are funny they are disgusting. You have awful characters. You have awful uh, jokes. Yeah, it's about sex and drinking and underage stuff. And the characters, though I do not relate to them, they are identifiable as people who I know from school. Yes. And I went on a booze holiday on after I finished school to, uh, where did I go? Went to somewhere in Croatia. But it was exactly like this, where you just spend the entire day just walking around doing nothing and then you spend the entire night not knowing where you are because you're absolutely (laughs) like (laughs) it absolutely perfectly encapsulates that it also has some really good drama which like you have the stuff with simon and carly oh wang your balls because that's the joke you got jay jay and simon's um you got jay and simon's uh like rivalry like their friendship coming to coming apart neil's there just being a god and then Okay, the will is the weak point in it because he has had sex. Like it's not. That's like he's not. I don't think he is a virgin. Like he, it's not as if he's ever struggled properly with well, women. By before. this point, only Jay is. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, like I've never the three scenes in between is I've never got the impression that Will struggles with women. It's just that he's yeah, an he, idiot. He's an he's idiot. A, he's also yeah. a horrible person. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's also a horrible person. Uh, Anthony top. Head has a little cameo in it, which is quite funny. He's his dad, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I I just love this film. Like, and it, I I I know it. All the criticisms of it are completely true, but I don't. But that's what makes it great. I I personally prefer the second one as well. I think Australia is a better setting, and I think the set pieces like the water park and the desert are all just so much better. Um, yeah, and, I, and it's about I I love it all. Though. I don't <laughs> think there's a I don't if you're an in betweeners fan. I don't think there's a single piece of in betweeners content you're not gonna be laughing at yeah because i like it, every single trope of like a tv show going to a film is you take him on holiday yeah yeah and this does it in the best way for these four because you know they're so hopeless at it oh and the other thing is i've stayed at the hotel where they stayed at it's First in one. yeah it's in it's in a place called port de soya in mallorca and it was run down then and you turn off this highway and it was just there and it was like Oh, we really stay in there. It was actually quite nice. And then I watched the film, like, oh my god, I've stayed there. So <laughs> also, it's got a joke that I regularly send to people in the summer, and I sent it to you only this morning, Reese. With the gif of the uh, top, top. Oh yeah, hot. might be too hot. <laughs> might be. Yeah. <laughs> and um, oh Burnley, we love you. <laughs> Burnley can <laughs> f- off. <laughs> I don't like football. But I, I hate Burnley. Burnley can. F- Oh, yeah, it's just hilarious, and I'm I'm tempted to watch it tonight just because yeah. oh, this uh, this has got the um, this has got deleted scenes on it as well, which is I I like those as well. There's just a thing about the Inbetweeners where no matter how many times you've seen it, I'm still going to be laughing just because their line deliveries are so good. Weird. Like like a wobble bob bob in the second one, you know, like, which is never going to not make me laugh. Because like any do you know, any discussion about what is the greatest comedy sitcom of all time things, and like. I'm not going to ever go with Americans because obviously their, 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 their content was different. But I struggled to put anything, even community, I struggled to put next to in between us because they're so different. Like, it's, well, you, the, you can't compare them. The and issue so, is, and is in between us is very unique. And yeah, I don't think I could sell in between us to an American audience. I, I don't, and it's the same with Fresh Meat. 
the thing with Fresh Me, and in, in between Fresh Me, I saw it in my head sort of like a sequel-ish sort of series in between us. It's still like crass and horrible. It's in a uni this time. It's too relatable for me to be able to sell it to anyone else. And the issue is that we've got proof that in between us can't really be sold to an American audience. And that's that when they tried to it in America, <laughs> it's horrific. They I watched oh, yeah. that whole show and I yeah. laughed twice. <laughs> there were both Simon moments because he's clearly a good actor and with bad dialogue. Yeah. But I, t- I only laughed twice in a in 12 episodes of a sitcom is really bad going. Did they do with that film what the office did? Um, except the office ended up changing itself. But they took um, all the jokes from yeah, the Betweeners the, and then the US, them. Yeah, the US in between is they I'd say it's about three thirds. There's one third where it's just lines taken directly, then another third of lines where it's the same joke but twisted to be more American. Like um in in the Caravan Club episode when they're on the way and Simon's been messaging a girl. And he mess she or, or to, no someone's told Simon about a girl and she messages him and goes, oh, "I can't wait to see you, Simon." And he goes, "Oh, watch I respond." And Jay goes, "Spread him. I'll be there in half an hour." <laughs> um, in the um, in the American version, when Simon says, "Oh, what should I send back?" Jay goes, "Send three equals 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 D." So it's like they're trying to do the same joke, but like changing it to be more American. And I think you can see from Bruce's reaction alone how much worse that second one is. Yeah. I then know. the other third is completely unique stories for the American one, which are just horrifically bad. Yeah. Then again, but- that is one of the ones where I did get one laugh. And it's just because it's the only moment that comes anywhere close matching the cringe of the UK one. And it's when Simon is trying to... Um, hit on Carly again so that's all he does in the American one so he decides to join cooking club um, because actually the two jokes I laughed at are both in that episode because early on Simon says to Carly I'm going to join cooking club and Carly says oh, I love a man who cooks and Simon goes oh, so do I <laughs> um, and later on in the episode he turns out he is one of the only people in cooking clubs he's got to try and advertise it to everyone else so he goes on stage at assembly and he starts singing a jingle to try and get everyone to do it. And it's the only moment that is cringe enough that I could see it in the other one. And they're the only two moments I laughed in the whole show. Well, and I just want to make it perfectly clear that the, um, this is not like the US Office, which is uh, an amazing show because it has unique characters in of itself. It's, it's, not, it's, almost, it's, it's not a copy. It's completely different to the UK yeah. one as well. And it? I can understand the first two episodes. There are stolen jokes, but having watched both, they're they're told in such different ways and the characters are already very different. And, you know, the best officer, the really cringy ones as well, the US one, like the, the stuff like Scott's Tots and um, uh, the dinner party, you know, the, the, in between, the US in-betweeners had nothing of that. Like, it wasn't trying to be its own show. Anyway, you in between this movie, go and watch it. Cause yeah, it, and watch, just watch the whole. I love it. Uh, yeah, I just want to have a civilised dinner party for once. How many Legos can you fit up your buff? <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing about Inbetweeners is, like, I don't like it. Um, hmm. You guys are, like, raving about it, so clearly you're fans. But it's something I've tried watching a few times. Um, I watched, like, the first third of the film, and it's a, definitely a style of humour that some people really enjoy and other people's just uh, don't find funny. I think, yeah, I think I, you have to have first watched it when you were school. in school with yeah. like that. When yeah. did you first watch it? 
I was probably still at school. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Years and years ago. Because so. I only really started getting to the fresh meat when I was in uni. Because it, it, got, it got far too like, close to what it actually was. Like, like oh my God, this is horrible. Stop. <laughs> How much of it have you seen? Jack, because I'd say the very first episode is absolutely the weakest one, yeah. and it hasn't got any of the I, set pieces that I, the first on to have I feel later. The first in between episode I watched was the Thought Park episode, and it got me straight into it because uh, yeah, because it's so awful. <laughs> awful. The first one yeah. was the Weekend Away when um, they get stuck on the boat and oh, Neil God. punches the fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Help, so my, my friend fish. Matt is a <laughs> massive fan of the Inbetweeners, so like every time I would stay around his or. Did he rain? Well, like, he touched um, the fish. He would always put it on, and it was like I probably watched the first season of it, and I just didn't. I didn't get on with it. I didn't. I thought it was too too much. <laughs> it is a lot. It's like it's it honestly, a lot. It's just cruel. He just punches the fish to death. <laughs> anyway, let's move on because we can just right. talk about the entire show yeah. otherwise. I'll ro- so what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll a d6 for your shelf, yeah. and then I'm going to roll a twenty for the DVD on the shelf. Okay, so you don't blindly pull. All if your you roll DVDs a two, just roll again. <laughs> five. So five. It's five. Oh, it's your porn collection, isn't it? That's why it's <laughs> off camera. That's why it's so low down. Five seventeen. Steel five, nipples. 17. Steel nipples three. <laughs> oh, that was a very high risk of the emoji movie on this shelf. Whoa! You own the emoji movie. <laughs> and if it's high risk, it means he's got it more than once. <laughs> by a probability. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it uh, Avengers I'm Endgame? Pulling out seventeen, but it's one that's next to another film. So I'm uh, I'm pulling them out together because they go together. So seventeen is a disaster artist, mm. but right next to it is my signed Blu-ray of the Room, The Womb. Now, when I bought this copy of The Room, it was from Tommy Wiseau himself running a merch store. This was ten pounds. Um, the DVD was fifteen. What? So um, I bought the Blu-ray <laughs> instead because uh, it was cheaper. <laughs> um, it's the quality is the same because it's the room and it <laughs> looks terrible anyway. <laughs> Crisp shit. Um, there's um, the special effects on the one. Um, there's a behind the scenes which I genuinely can't find on there. Um, there's a photo gallery which are photos of Tommy Wiseau in his modelling <laughs> shoots. <laughs> um, one of the special features is a scene selection. Uh, <laughs> Which isn't a special feature. All DVDs have that. There's trailers oh. um, <laughs> for the room. Uh, <laughs> the description for that film. Yeah, trailers for, for, trailers for film. this film. Yeah. Uh, the room Hello, is electrifying American black comedy about love, passion, betrayal, and lies. It's what happens in real life. You could be with your loving woman, and all of a sudden, boom, she's in bed with your best friend or a family member the room depicts of friendships and relationships in one life and raises life's most real and asked questions can you ever really trust anyone are you ready to see the reflection of your life what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the room it's not what you draw you drew out the disaster artist he's obviously the film about making the room now anyway I've got, how's your sex life I, <laughs> I don't have and i'm gonna be standing up for a second but i'll be back in one sec I love the room. Like, I think it's terrible, but it's so hilarious. You just got to watch it with other people. Don't have the Disaster Artist Blu-ray signed, but what I do have is the book, The Disaster Artist, 
you can tell I'm a big room fan, signed by Greg Sestero uh, with my name. He uh, signed it in front of me when I met him. I met him twice, um, once at the room screening uh, and once at the disaster artist screening, and he remembered me, so that was nice. Um, what's interesting about these is that the Tommy Wiseau really likes the film. Um, he hates the book. And the book is this, because Greg Cicero, um Jack, plays a character in the room. Um, and he's he was friends with Tommy Wiseau before it came out. The book is very much a psychological horror about how much of a misery Tommy Wiseau made everyone's life um, for the whole time that they were working together. Like there are bits like he'll that he tells him like when he meets him, don't tell anyone about me because if they want to learn about me, they should do it from me. And he tells one person about him, Tommy Wiseau finds out, so takes him onto a motorway and just puts his foot down for five minutes and just drives really fast. There's a bit where Greg Sestero decides he's just going to run away and not be friends with him anymore. So he goes to work on a puppet master film instead. And it's in a completely different country and he doesn't tell anyone where he's going. And because it's puppet master, they're not big films. They're not easy to find out about. Then one day he has a knock on his hotel room door and he opens his door and there's a bouquet of flowers with a note from Tommy Wiseau on the floor outside his hotel room. So he's got no idea how he found him. So this book is actually very much a psychological horror where Tommy Wiseau is the bad guy. This is insane. In the... is, are these like actual people? Or are these yes, they're the actual people that made the, made the room. That's mad. What's different about the Disaster Artist film and why Tommy Wiseau likes this one is that this is a comedy where Tommy Wiseau is not the bad guy, he's the hero. And it twists more to the ending. So in, in the Disaster Artist book, you go, it ends after the screening when they've already realized that people don't like it. Um, in the Disaster Artist film, it ends with them with people laughing at the film mm. and Tommy Wiseau realizing that he's made a film that people like. <clears throat> so in this, it's a very inspiring story where he's the hero. In the book, it's a horror where he's the villain, which is why he loves this, hates the book. Mm. But what they've both later said since these came out, or at least more Greg Cicero, was that when he wrote the book, was in the time in his life where he wasn't in contact with Tommy Wiseau anymore. So he said that he did go a bit too harsh with it and made some of it sound worse than it was and ignored some of the good stuff about their friendship. Whereas the film did the opposite, where it included a lot of the good stuff about their friendship, but ignored some of the bad. But Greg Cicero, now that they're friends again, has said that if you combine the two, you get what's pretty much a complete picture of what their friendship was like. So I love having the two, the book and the film together with the actual room itself. Because looking at all three of them and getting the full picture of what the room is like, it's such a weird, like interesting picture. And it's boosted the room massively for me, just knowing about all the background of it all. So and it's great. I'd recommend all a good film. No. Uh, no. It's actually, I give, I give it five stars. <laughs> but because... It does everything so wrong that say like you've got a scale of like the very top is five stars. The very bottom is half a star. It does everything so wrong that it falls so fast <laughs> that it Pac-Man's its way back up to the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, why don't yeah. you leave your stupid comments in your pocket? And and going to a live screening of this, which I speak about in my one-to-one, it's just such a great experience. So I'd say anyone who wants a great experience, get all three of these, the room, Blu-ray, the, the Disaster Artist Blu-ray and the Disaster Artist book and um, all three together uh, and it's, yeah. it's going to be gonna be a great time. Uh, Jack, I've got some very distressing news. Oh. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. What? It's, it's a line. It's a line from the room. Yeah. She just says it mid-conversation. 
Also, I've got the same context as the characters. (laughs) Yes. There's a character in the room, Jack, who shows up in the last half an hour, hasn't been in the rest of the film, and acts like he's best friends with everyone else, (laughs) and has dialogue like he's been in the rest of the film. It doesn't make any sense. And it turns out, as you learn from the book, is that there's another character in the film who disappears halfway through, and there's a bit where in a scene, he gets up and says, that's it, I'm done, and walks out. And that was the actor because the film went like a hundred days over schedule. He just got up and walked out and left. And they I, kept in the film the take where he leaves. They just give all his lines to another random guy. <laughs> yeah. I really like Disaster Artist. Um, I found the end quite uncomfortable because I wasn't sure how truthful it was. Really, hearing what you said about it, it did feel kind of forced because no way would people be cheering that um, after the they experience to, they went through. Had to um, make him the good guy. Yeah. He also um, he's in the disaster artist Tommy Wiseau. He's got yes. a cameo. Um, what he originally said when they said <clears> they said we want to make the disaster artist. He said you can make it, but I want to be in it. And they were like, okay, that's fine. You went, okay, I want to be in over half an hour of screen time, and I want fifty percent of the profits. And they were like, no, Tommy, <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't have that. So he's got one cameo instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I recommend all of it. Yeah. Right. Rule away. I could gush about the room all day. Uh, I got another Star Wars because I rolled <laughs> and all my Star Wars are right next to each other. Well, re-roll. Right, We're not yeah. talking about Star Wars again. <laughs> We're saving it. Okay, 16. 1, 2, 3. 16, four, five, six, 16, nine, 16. Nine, he looks 18. His mum still buys his trousers. <laughs> uh I don't know if we can... This is a DVD. I don't know if I, I can talk about this because I don't know what it is. It's uh, Top Gear, The Perfect Road Trip. Yeah, oh, that's that's disappointing. That's like the it? worst Top Gear special edition. I, the, I, I can't talk about it. I have no idea what it is. Have you not seen it? <laughs> no. So essentially, it's Hammond and Clarkson and right. they go for a perfect road trip around the Riviera in different perfect vehicles. So old Italian um, top-offs, um, new like Grand Tourers, supercars, and they just do like, have you seen, have you watched the, have you watched the Grand Tour at all? Uh, I've seen most of it. I haven't. Have you seen the one where, have you seen the one where James and Jeremy go to like Italy for like the perfect road trip and then Hammond keeps spoiling it with like a really loud car? It's sort of like that, but without the loud car. Of the Top Gear specials, DVDs, it's not my favourite. Um, the Vietnam special will always be my favourite of those. Um, are you a big Top Gear fan? Yeah, I love Top Gear. Yeah, we, we could just talk about the specials then. What was your yeah. favourite? What was your favourite big, you know, the big special ones they used to do? Oh, that's... Uh... See, I love, the, I love the, the thing I like about Vietnam, and it's actually the ones where it, it's a recurring theme of all my favourites, is that the country they're in becomes such an amazing character. Yeah. Like the visuals, the people they come across, the shenanigans they get into, the fact that they're on really rubbish motorcycles in one of the most, in like a really dangerous roads. You know, it's just like uh, Cl- Jeremy Clarkson can't ride a bicycle yet has to go from the south to the north of Vietnam. But like, you think, I know a lot of it is a bit scripted, but it's just like, you can't, you can't fake a lot of that. He does fall off his bike and hurt himself, you know. There's yeah. a bit where they go, and they, of course they've got the um, Bruce Springsteen bike behind them, which is always good fun. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I just love that one. It, the, the scenery is fantastic in it. The same with the Burma one. Um, I can't, I don't know if it, is it Botswana? I'm not yeah. sure. The one where he's got Oliver. And oh, Oliver. The yeah, they go across the salt flats. Yeah, that's a really good one. That's and because and cause Jeremy's got the Lance here that like, is awful. And James gets rid of all of his car, basically. Yeah, just to get over the salt flats. Um, and then Hammond just does not touch his car, and it's like yeah. fine for like the whole thing, apart from. You know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I don't like Top Gear anymore. Like, have like I've grown up a bit. Like, I don't like the people. I don't like Jeremy Clarkson at all anymore. Like the 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 last couple of years, he's a he's not a nice person. No. But I I do respect James May a lot, and I do like Hammond is funny. I've been I've been rewatching the Grand Tour and it's okay. The prime of Top Gear when it was in its prime was absolutely fantastic television, and like you can put the personality aside for that. The fact these three these three men, like the way they did it, it was really good to watch. And the well, stuff that's what the appeal was, was. That's what the appeal was of Top Gear back then, wasn't it? That it was about cars, but I don't think anyone watched it for the cars. Mm. The appeal was the chemistry that those three had together. Mm. Which is why when Clarkson got horrible and they had to replace everyone, it just didn't, it wasn't the same because it's mm. not, the show was never about the cars. It was about people in the cars. No, it, it yeah. turned into the gadget show, which is crap because they just talk about expensive gadgets that nobody can afford to buy. Like they just turned it, because I, I do think that it went off the rails a bit because they kept on doing like, oh, look at this supercar. You can't buy it. And it's just like, I want them to go back to buy three really rubbish cars and try and get from Birmingham to London without crashing. Like, <laughs> and when they like, they make their own limousines and when they make their own, um, oh, the, yeah, the, they like the hundred like, pound supercars, stuff like that. I but love the, the big... ones where they make like, uh, like hotels out of their cars. Oh God. Yeah. And he's got and the, the really tall one. Yeah, um, Jeremy's got the really tall <laughs> one. And then um, Richard has to make the building every time he like pulls up. <laughs> and he keeps falling he's over. Got, he's got the portrait of himself. <laughs> Was it no. Top Gear or Grand Tour where they had to make boats out of cars? No, that was across the river and all that sank. Was Top Gear. They that was Top Gear, was it? They did two and the, one the amphibious... in like a river. And then they had to cross the channel as well. Yeah, and all yeah. sank. Yeah. It's and great. They, they did the yeah. hover hover boat one as well oh man oh, no, but the interesting fact about the hover boat one um and it really annoyed me for years is um you know the bit where they're first like getting their wetsuits on they power it up for the first time and then they go in there's like a bit of music that plays um and it's from i found out what it is now it's from kickass um oh adagio in d like, minor uh she's like looking in uh the marshmallows are mounted in a like uh chocolate hot chocolate is it um, adagio i don't know it's called marshmallows on Spotify. okay um but they changed that music for every other release of it other than the first time it aired and um it's just i, I was searching for it for ages and i couldn't mm. find it and i finally found it just by mm. a fluke no but the the, the 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 specials were always like fantastic like the um... The Arctic the, one, the, the 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 North Pole one was the first one I saw. Of course, you got the Botswana, the first one, the US. That when they go to the US and they they do the the, the slogans on the side of the cars, they get run out of Al- Alabama. Um, first one I saw was the um, Nativity one. Where oh they had to God. redo the Nativity journey oh when God. they needed to get 
and they got tasked to get gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They had to get one each, but they couldn't find it. So they got <laughs> gold, shampoo, and a DS. <laughs> and that's really like because they drove through Syria. And yeah. you think now some of the places they went are completely destroyed now because of what what happened like it's 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 insane to think like they went to these places and they just a lot of them are just completely destroyed over yeah. the last decade well some um, of it's yeah near and over 10 years now isn't it for yeah. some of that top gear anyway i could talk about top gear forever just because i've it's I not think, well i think i think i could pick it as like my mastermind specialist subject because i've seen it so many times what I'm learning here is that Reese knows more about Jack's DVD collection than Jack does. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. knew nothing about that. Um, well, that road trip one. <laughs> I think I'm I'm pretty good off the cuff because if if I know it, I know it. It's locked up in there. Right, we'll do one round each again. Sorry. All right. Because we're four, we're forty sleepy. Minutes. Sammy will be here soon. He's not. He's we he block his entrance. <laughs> right. Roll we're on shelf four. No, it's for me. Oh, I don't have shelves right, right now. <laughs> Well, I guess you're on four then. 18? <laughs> 18. 18. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Ah, it's another Star Wars. I'm going to skip over Star Wars. I'm going to go, I'm going to count the other way then. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Oh, the Monty Python movies, the box set. Hey. So this has all four of them. Um, and the first one, and now for something completely different, which is just uh, a redo of, of all their best sketches. It's all right. I don't think it's as good as the Flying Circus sketches, but you know, it has the yeah, parrot sketch, the Lumberjack song. It has that's the, the issue one... with that film, isn't it? That you've got to try and... They're trying to redo a collection of their best sketches, but those best sketches are already you their can't, best sketches. You can't recreate... The Ministry of City Walk. It just can't. You just can't. can't do it. Um, the what? The, the, there is one very good segment in it. Is the um, how not to be seen, which is uh, always my favourite Marty Python sketch, and they perfect it. Have you seen the one where they're like, how not to be seen? This is some woman, and they blow her up, and then she hides behind a bush, and they just blow the bush up. Like there's three bushes. Like which one is she in? And they just blow all three up. <laughs> like and then they just nuke a town. Like it's just. No, stop that. That's silly. And, and the, of course, uh, then it's the, my one of my favorite is the joke that um, they, ha- <laughs> they end up weaponizing the joke. <laughs> yeah, because uh, everyone who like reads the joke dies of laughter, so they uh-huh. <laughs> they do it in German uh, yeah. and use it in the war. And uh, if you translate the joke uh, from German to English, because they do say it in German, uh, it's just a bunch of gibberish that sounds German. <laughs> it's not even words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when is das Nungstung Gitunsch? Was it Slaughtermeyer? Yeah, Buyunda das Order de Flipperwald Gesput or something, isn't it? I just try to remember. That is, if you just went off the top of your head there, that's well, insane. I, I know Marty Python. Like, I've watched it all. It's his mastermind <laughs> subject. <laughs> it is now. Anyway, also the, um, the Life of Brian, which I put in my. I, it's, it's one of three comedies I hold as like the best ever and like untouchable oh, it's not um, my favorite of the set no so it's a monty python hot fuzz and airplane i think they're just three that stand together absolutely hilarious i love the fact that life of brian just sneaks into being a science fiction film as well because they go to space and there are aliens <laughs> in it but i just 
like the the first half is just like sketches, but then as soon as he becomes like he gets followed, like the way the that film descends, like the bit with the juniper bush, um, how should we <laughs> off, my lord? Uh, follow this. It's a sign. It's a sign. Um, and then the crucifixion at the end. You know, it's just everything I love about Always how stupid Monty Python can be comes in together. And of course, when you watch the, um, have you ever seen the 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 Friday night the Friday night discussion thing where they they John Cleese and Michael Palin like go on and like debate these two bishops and say no, it's not about Jesus at all. I mean, it's yeah, the yeah, it's like about Brian. And yeah, they make it very clear say in the film. He's not and, you know, Jesus. They make it very clear, like they make it very clear that they try to make a film, a comedy film about Jesus, but you can't because Jesus isn't a funny person. And so they just did Jesus's next door neighbor. Like, <laughs> you know, that's like when, when the when the okay, there's a bit of blackface. There's a bit of blackface. He's a very naughty. There's a bit boy. of blackface in that opening scene in there, because John Cleese is blackface to be one of the three wise men. But like they just slap. Um, Terry Jones, yeah, um, I, and also there's Holy Grail. I think that Life of Brian also has what might be the Monty Python moment that gets me laughing the most, and it's the Roman soldier trying not to laugh. <laughs> Biggest <laughs> has stickers. very much Bradley Walsh on the chase energy. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> intercontinental buttocks. <laughs> Release Wadrick for Wape and for Wobbly. And of course, it's like uh, Holy Grail as well. My favorite which, of their. their yeah, I, it, do you know it's growing on me every time I watch it. Um, just because I remember, I think the first time you watch it, you just get completely caught out by the end. Like, yeah. It just t- it comes out of nowhere and it, the end is just over. But it's got the subtitle, it's got the the title cards. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, they got the um, the Swedish ones and it's like the Swedish tourist board takes over, like starts advertising sweet. Sweden. There's also like um, the uh, mariachi one that's like, there's a really slow, boring one. It's just, <laughs> it's just, and it's just another one of those films where almost every line is a really iconic gag. Like, one day all of this will be yours. What? The curtains? <laughs> <laughs> and also the, the, the soundtrack. Yeah, feels like it was made later than it was because yeah. it's trying to look cheap on purpose. It doesn't seem like it was made and way back am- then. It's amazing if you watch if you watch some if you watch some sword and sandals films from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, you can see exactly what they're parodying, and there are like properly serious films, like with you know serious themes, big battles, you know. Uh, posh, uh, well-to-do dialogue, and then you just get. But it's exactly like the Holy Grail. Like yeah. they they've ripped it off perfectly. The Black Knight scene, of course, probably the most iconic. Yeah. Got the bridge scene with the questions. The <laughs> Joe, the bit like right. If someone don't don't let him out. Right. So let's leave. What? <laughs> no. Don't let him leave this room. All right. So we'll come with you then. Take him with the room with me, unless someone comes. It's just like stupid. Eric Idle stuff. Um, yeah, I love I love the um, Holy Grail as well, and of course the Meaning of Life, which is the weirdest one, and of course the most experimental film I think of theirs. Um, but I still think it, I, the Sperm Song I love. I just absolutely brilliant parody of any musical number, such a stupid thing. 
the critique on life and death is good and it has a very nice ending you know the, the sing-along in heaven at the end um, and yeah and the fishy 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 fish fishy fishy fish it's just stupid like i love it yeah it's a good collection i wouldn't advise anyone watch any of the four without having seen any flying circus first so i think if you go in without having any knowledge of monty python style it's going to be such a like well, confrontational experience. Well, that's <laughs> why I think, and now for something completely different, is important though, because it it condenses all that into an hour and a half. Yeah, true. It's a good starting one, isn't it? But yeah, you should. I mean, like, you can't. It hasn't even got all the best sketches. That's the thing. Like, you might watch it and you might get disappointed because, like, it doesn't have the Spanish Inquisition stuff, which is a fantastic sketch. But that's like a whole episode's worth of build-up. You can't do that into the film. Um, yeah, Flying Circus is a great show. And these, all these films are fantastic. And, you know, I don't have a bad word to say about any of them, really. They're just so hilarious. Yeah. And I was so delighted when I got the box set. I mean, I, I just like, finally, I don't have to pay for them anymore. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll move on to you, Mike. Cool. So we're on shelf three. Three. Okay. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
lighthearted moments in each show because the chemistry between all the characters is so good. But the actual horrors of once they get to war, because the first episode of each is boot camp stuff and no one mm. at war yet. So and not Ross, horrific, yeah. Ross Geller. And Ross Geller. <laughs> and then you immediately in this show, in episode, or at the end of episode one or in episode two, jump into D-Day. Yeah. Which is obviously horrific. So yeah, they're just really harrowing shows. And some of the best episodes of TV ever, I think. Like there's one episode where they discover a concentration camp and it's when no one knew what they were yet. Mm. And watching the characters discovering this concentration camp for the first time and never having seen it and how horrific it is and how it affects them. Ah, it's just such a great two shows. I'd recommend them to anyone, not for a good time, but just because they're so well made. Yeah. They're Um, they're basically like, was it eight, ten episodes, didn't they? Yeah, basically ten films. Yeah, like, and that, all that, of that quality. There's not Damian a Lewis wasted is... moment. No, there's not a wasted character. There's not any bad moments. There's no pacing I, issues or anything. They're I so well done. I don't think production value in a TV show was replicated until probably Game of Thrones. Like, I think it's is it it's good? very telling. Yeah. that Steven Spielberg. It's yeah. Saving Private Ryan as a ten episode TV show pretty much. Wow. It's so good. And the amount the cast has so many recognizable actors that weren't famous yet. You get Tom Hardy for an episode. Oh, look who it is. Yeah. Sammy's here. The budget was about uh, yeah, 30 million per massive. episode. And both the shows and there was a good more than 5 years between the shows and now it's been nearly 10 years and they're about to bring out the third one which is going to be Masters of the Air and it's going to be an Air Force one. Mm. And it's I'm really excited for it just cuz they're so good. And See, something I haven't even mentioned yet which is a surprise. Yeah. is that each episode starts with about a two-minute documentary about yeah. the part of the war you're going to that episode. And the people that are being interviewed are the people in the show. But you don't learn until the finale of each show who each like old person they're interviewing is. Yeah. And you'll get to the very end of the finale and they will show you each of those elderly men that they've been interviewing and what their name is. And seeing those... And then relating to the characters that you've been with in the show is mm. so emotional. And I think anyone who comes out of either of those shows without crying probably doesn't have a heart at all. Well, the thing I don't really <laughs> want to talk about because I don't want to spoil it for Jack. Because Jack, you have to go and watch it. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's must-watch. And it's like I don't, I don't, I don't think I can speak about it without spoiling anything, even though it's yeah, real. No. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything because um, yeah. it, it Brock, twists right? and turns so much. Um, Absolutely incredible. And Damien Lewis is fantastic. And Nixon is the best character. Yeah. The whole cast are amazing. And the bit where he has to write like the letters back home, it's just like just so worth watching. Like, do you know what? Yeah, and do you know who else is worth TV. watching? Jack, what have we got? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Our last one, Jack. So we'll continue to ignore make, Sammy. Make it a good one with the, well, we don't, with the luck you say that you roll. What else is worth watching? You know, I might own a DVD of it and it's definitely not worth watching. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, what, what are me and Mike going to talk about this on your, <laughs> on your thing again? Well, roll low again so it's another Star Wars, so I'm going to re roll. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, con- another re-roll. That's another. <laughs> I'm convinced you just another... have like four rows. There we go. Just the Star Wars films repeated. Like, <laughs> I got a nat twenty, by the way. Oh, exciting! That'd be your best DVD then. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Oh, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Hot Fuzz is my favorite film. Yep. I absolutely you. adore Hot Fuzz. It's um, it's got like a cultural impact on my family. 
as in like we all like just say lines uh to each other from hot fuzz like if my mum is like doing her hair in like the the mirror i'll just go up to her and go hag <laughs> and she'll go fascist <laughs> yeah uh, when I introduce myself to my aunt or something, I go, right, my love. My love. <laughs> and I just go, oh, 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 I don't think there is any film that comes as close <laughs> to the title of most quotable film of all time nope. as Hot Fuzz. Because yeah. every single line <laughs> is iconic in it. <laughs> like, live a bit of girl on girl. So <laughs> it's just got. It's probably just the most perfect script ever, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and the script is so good that you didn't even have to have it directed and edited so well. That just came with Edgar Wright in general. Oh, it's well, I, love, love the, the directing of that film is, I would say, revolutionary with, you know, how they just make boring admin look exciting and interesting. Yeah. Like when he's te- like, <laughs> he goes, oh, you, you're really going to put all these people through. And it goes through that montage of, you know, fun yeah. music and yes. like snapping and all the funny like oh. things like people have on their head. It's... Leslie Tiller was f***ing murdered. <laughs> Slammed something into the uh, smudge. <laughs> what you never you never shot your gun up in the air and gone ah. <laughs> You've not seen You're... Bad Boys too. You're telling me she tripped and fell on her own shears. <laughs> <laughs> oh. F- Grasshopper, <laughs> get in, Jim, you silly bastard! And then the, the 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 like all the way at the end, Bill Bailey. No one tells me nothing round here. There's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so perfectly constructed because it, it's yeah. it's a perfect case of like I I I think it's one element that the world's end does best. But like all the stuff at the start comes right the way back at the end in a completely horrifying, completely different context, and it's yeah. it, it's like. I think it does well not to like set it in a real place. Like it's clearly a parody of like yeah. a little old England village in the middle but, of like, nowhere. So well done as a parody. There's an Edinburgh woolen mill with no one in it. There's a summer field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, summer fields don't even exist anymore. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Is, is it possibly his best performance ever? <laughs> Here come the fuzz. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And here's what's weird about World's End. I don't think there's any other film out there that is as amazing as World's End that still looks bad in comparison to the other films in its trilogy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it goes alongside Return of the Jedi as a film that is still fantastic, but the two films that came before it are just too good that it could never yeah. be as good as them. Yeah, I mean, The World's End is a great film, but the other two films are flawless films. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, yeah I love, that's the issue. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is 13 on my, like, top list. Like, it easily announced. I've already mentioned it. Yeah, I put it up there with Life of Brian for me. Just non-stop laughs throughout. And it's a film that I don't care what point I, like, put it on. Like, it could be on television in the background. I could have it on mute like even i could be in the next room and it's on in the next i could be cooking in the kitchen and i could just hear it in the in the in the living room i'm completely engrossed by it i just quote yeah, I've, i think we've probably all got it in our top lists um i've I got yeah. it at 27 in mine and it just doesn't matter how many times you watch it it stays just so good it's just so yeah. it's just... <laughs> well playtime's think... over yeah Playtime is over, Reese. Uh, I think yeah. we're going to wrap this episode of impromptu dice rolling on our uh, DVD uh, shelf episode up. 
Hold on. Um, just just before we do that, can I say, Sammy, uh, do, do you want to quickly unmute yourself and say a big apology? <laughs> I would like to profess my most sincerest and deepest apologies to all of our hundreds of millions of listeners that I overslept and missed our scheduled community recording time. I'm sorry. Quite frankly, unacceptable. Um, <laughs> you will be having a disciplinary after this. Uh... Unfollowed. Unfollowed. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll catch you in the next episode of Sorry Meadows. Bye-bye. Bye. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. I think we've got a pretty good episode out of Sammy messing up.